Welcome to Donuts and Dudes, episode six. It's June 12th, baby. We got a great lineup for you guys this week. For our first story, Doji Coin to the Moon. Okay, Elon, sit down. Yeah, really not looking that great for cryptocurrencies right now. For our second story, I think we found the fountain of youth. Or did the fountain of youth find us? Florida man's at it again. And for our final story today, we're going to be talking about the NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler to the moon, baby. We got a great story surrounding that. Stick around for our interview at the end. But before we jump into this great mix, hit him with that intro song, Anthony. Let's get it. Welcome to Donuts with Dudes, where we dive into the things that matter most to men, like sports, business, and mental conditioning. But we don't stop there. We also incorporate health topics, because being a well-rounded dude means taking care of yourself. We're your hosts, Anthony and Cameron, and we're excited to bring you this show, where we discuss hot topics and interview experts in their field, real dudes just like you. So sit back, grab a donut and maybe some coffee, and join us in the bakery. And Anthony, for our first story this week, man, it's not been a good time for cryptocurrencies in this past week, has it? Man, it really hasn't. But it also really hasn't been one for, what, the last two years or a year? How long long have they been doing this? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, in 2022, you had a large drop-off in valuation of a lot of the main cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and a bunch of other ones that are out there on the market too as well. But, But what's interesting, though, is that we went through this huge phase starting in the pandemic for almost two years where cryptos were all the craze. And it also polarized a lot of investors and people that actually weren't investors too. I mean, you had the whole Robin Hood age, that Dogecoin, uh, the whole craze of surrounding that and, and people building up popularity around these meme coins. And I feel like now all of this is just starting to come to a head with a lot of skeletons coming out of the closet with a a lot of these crypto exchanges. Well, and you know what, man, it was, I remember when this came out, I I did get on Robinhood. It was one of the coins that I got on there for, but it was one of the more popular ones, like probably XRP or maybe, I know Bitcoin was on there. Robinhood had a good little promo going where they'd give you a free stock. You come in there, create you create an account. But um, I did move on from Robinhood to Voyager and Crypto.com and Binance because they had more coins and it was it was a better platform to trade on. Not knowing now what we know is that there's a reason why certain ones didn't want to carry coins because they were more like uh, meme coins, pyramid schemes, whatever it is, bro. Like looking back now, that's kind of what those were made of. Yeah. Obviously, a couple months back, you had this crypto exchange, FTX, who was owned by Sam Bankman fried come under scrutiny for malpractice and in, in using um, bad accounting practices. You know, Sam Bankman fried is going through, uh, still in litigation for his malpractice, so to speak, of managing people's money and, or in, and his exchange. And now, as of this last week, two of the main exchanges that a lot of people use for cryptocurrency, being Coinbase and Binance, are now under either scrutiny or are being sued by the SEC for the lack of sufficient assurance for their customers and their assets that they have under their control. And what's more, 
The SEC has halted all U.S. dollar deposits going into Binance. They also have an emergency action filed against them to freeze all of their U.S. assets. Lastly, Robinhood is currently delisting meme coins Cardano, Polygon, and Solana. So it's kind of a bad time to be either investing in, mind you, we are not financial uh, advisors, so none of this should be taken as financial advice. But what it seems to me, you know, just over these past few months that there is just a lack of controls, I guess, over cryptocurrency. And it looks like there's been a lot of just bad actors managing these, these large crypto exchanges. I'll tell you, man, after moving along on these platforms and whatnot, I did get on Voyager. Voyager was really cool because it did have all these altcoins on there to where it made it an easier platform to trade. And I really did appreciate that, man, because it, it was easy to do um, if you just kind of lo liked looking at graphs and trends and stuff, you know, just to try to predict. But it's a whole gamble anyways. And I, I, I enjoyed doing that, but... Man, I'm locked out of my account now, bro. I got bread in there. I can't get it out. Really? Yeah, dude. Hey, I'm gonna tell you this. I put a mount in there that I could go that I did I didn't care if I lost, right? Sure. I wanted to win. Of course you want to win all the time. And I had put enough in that it quadrupled its value. Yes. And then right along all that, bro, I almost took it out because I just wanted to cash out and I, I said, I'm gonna leave it in here. I have a half of what I invested in. It's still in there. And I was trying to cash out. I can't even get in there, man. I changed my password. It wouldn't let me in. I'm looking at it now. It's saying, sorry for the problem here, but they're experiencing maintenance and technical difficulties. So I'm like, have my money. Just take it, man. Whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that kind of stuff, just kind of painting the same picture that we've kind of seen with FTX and now Coinbase and Binance that they're, they're using these sketchy schemes to lure in liquidity or people's money, hold it under their management, and misappropriate funds or garner illicit gains. It's really kind of sad. I mean, look, right now there's over $2.2 billion of assets held by Binance just for U.S. customers. And the SEC is saying that this is at significant risk. And just like a bank run, I'm sure as this, this news comes out, there's probably a lot of investors that are wanting to pull their money out. And are they going to have enough money to be able to cover that? Well, now you probably heard some of those stories, right? About some of like the crypto guys like coming up missing or kilt. Well, I know the cash app guy, his whole ordeal with uh, a coworker's sister or something like that. And he ends up getting stabbed. Numerous amount of times. It's a wild, wild west for finance and really like fintech and cryptocurrencies, really more in particular. But I mean, you also have the these banks still failing. I mean, I'll and I I feel like man, also at the whenever I knew they were trying to regulate all this stuff and the you know what the Fed was coming down, they were just trying to tax. Like I felt like the government you know they're, they're like man we're missing out on money here that's not going through us right so we're losing money so i felt like that was the reason why but now that i look at it i mean there's just a lot of scams and fraud that kind of go along with this to where you're not protected yeah. but i don't think they were trying to protect us i feel like they felt like we're missing out on money mm -hmm. that we should be taxing 
you back in 2020, 2021, when you had a lot of big time investors like Warren Buffett. And, you know, these were people that were completely against cryptocurrencies and saying that these, that cryptocurrencies are basically, uh, they're not assets. They basically have no value in the marketplace. And, man, it just kind of feels like it's coming full circle and is actually probably should have heeded the advice of, of those longtime investors, man, because what seems to have propped up a large segment of the financial industry was really a house of cards. Indeed. Dudes, what are your thoughts on this? You know, are you guys, do you guys hold cryptocurrencies as quote unquote assets? And if so, does any of this kind of freak you out and, and make you want to move your money out of cryptocurrencies or at least out of these exchanges? We got a link in the show notes. Drop us a line there um, or email us at info at donuts with dudes. And for our second story on this episode, maybe we discovered the fountain of youth. That is a crazy way to put this, man, considering it deals with the ocean, right? It's pretty crazy to think about, but the story released early this morning that there was a retired naval officer. Dr. Joseph Deturi. Yeah, that guy. So, you know, he was a part of a, an underwater study that they were trying to figure out the effects of pressure on the human body. Pretty cool, pretty cool story, but... um. You know, he claims that he spent 93 days underwater that he says turn back the clock on his aging. He says that he has 10 times more stem cells than when he went under and uh, that potentially reverses the signs of aging. That's crazy. You know, what's even funnier about this story is some of the headlines say Florida man sets record in underwater living, right? And it's just funny that, you know, Anything that is just wild, it always starts with a Florida man. They couldn't even say Florida scientist or, you know, or it could just be doctor or, Florida, or a scientist does this, right? But there's got to be the Florida guy and you automatically think bath salts to me. I'm like, there's got to be something crazy going on with some bath salts, right? right. Somebody's biting somebody's <laughs> ear off. But this dude, this doc un- lived for three months in a hundred square foot pod at the bottom of the ocean, man. Can you imagine that? And just... And they were really trying to simulate pressure chambers, you know, and um, it actually kind of altered some DNA or some kind of chromosomes. Telomeres shrink as a person ages. However, deturies are now 20% longer than they were before the experiment began in March. He had 10 times more stem cells than when he submerged. Stem cells have been touted as a potential way to slow or reverse aging. Crazy. But another thing I want to bring up as far as his benefits go that came around from this study, and you can probably argue that this is probably not causal, that there's probably other correlating factors that go into some of these benefits. But this guy reported a 72-point drop in his cholesterol levels, had more REM sleep, and his inflammation markers in his blood also dropped by 50%. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. You know, hyperbaric hyperbaric chambers they are there to well to help with just different kind of rehabs right right supposedly help with brain function and and better cognition apparently but so this is just like a natural way so to speak of of reproducing that same environment Right. right and one thing i noticed or one thing i had read that he had said was that um 
He said, you need to send people down there for a two week vacation and they'll come back younger, which, and I think you will soon see this become a trend mm. amongst those that, um, are into that kind of thing. So everybody's going to do away with cryptocurrency. Now everybody's going into a hyperbaric chamber under the water. Right. Or, <laughs> or you're going on a, what is it? An hour ride in space. Guys, what do you think? If you had the opportunity to, to go underwater for an extended period of time, and it would also have health benefits that we mentioned today, would you take it? Drop us a line. Hit us in the show notes or email us at info at donutsofdudes.com. And for this week's final story, we're talking about the NBA Finals and what's going on surrounding the Denver Nuggets versus the Miami Heat for this year's NBA Championship Finals. Uh, a lot of the stories, there's really not a lot of high-profile names that are playing in this, in this game. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk about one here a little bit more extensively. You also have Jokic that plays for the Denver Nuggets. Jimmy Butler plays for the Miami Heat. Those are probably the two biggest names, not the biggest names in the sport, that's for sure. But, you know, some of the main stories that we're really getting right now that are really making the headlines for the finals. One thing, obviously, the Denver Nuggets, this is being their first time ever in their franchise history to make the NBA finals. So kudos to them. But another thing that they're making the headlines for right now is how their mascot is making $625,000 a year. That's legit, dude. He's he's the highest paid. He is the highest paid mascot in all of sports. Shout out to Rocky, the mountain lion. Super clever. I like that. Yeah. But make sure you guys check out the game tonight, game five in the series. But that's not the main thing I think that we want to talk about, though, Anthony, right? Definitely not the main thing. One thing I definitely think we probably should at least talk about or touch base on with this finals is, you know, there it is kind of, it feels like a lackluster finals for me. It's just because it's missing some star power, I feel like, or mm-hmm. like a real big name or even just a big team. I, I got to say, hello, Jokic with his triple doubles. I mean, that's really the more notable thing that I hadn't watched any of the games yet, but I do look um, for the stat summary at the end and I'm just like looking to see if he's going to be making a triple double. And I did see him do that. Earlier on in the season, he had a 79th triple-double of his career, which is history. You know, that's historical. So with that being said, I was just like, let me check his stats during this finals and see what that looks like. Sure enough, game one, he had a triple-double. Game two, he had a double-double, I think four assists or something. So he, he was on his way to try to make another triple-double, bro. So that's what I'm really focusing on is this guy because he is he's the star for uh, the Nuggets, right? But... On another story, which I think is is the bigger story here, um, the story of Jimmy Butler that plays for the Heat. Tomball High School, I never knew this until I guess maybe I saw it earlier in the playoffs or something. It became a story where they said, um, you know, he was homeless in high school, bounced around couches from several different friends until one time in his senior year, family took him in and gave him a place to live, man. Kind of like the blindside story, man. Yeah, yeah, man. He uh, really sad, dude. He was kicked out by his mom at the age of 13 because his looks resembled his dad. And she said, nah, I can't. You look too much like him. I can't have you here. You got to get out. Kicked him out on the street, bro. 13-year-old. Can you imagine that? Um, no, I, I could not imagine that. Um, and I guarantee you, I think a lot of people put in that position don't end up in Jimmy Butler's position right now. He defied some odds. 
went to college, went to junior college, late first round draft pick. So got to love a good Cinderella story. Absolutely. Good luck to Jimmy Butler, man. I'd like to see him with a ring on his finger. That would be nice, but they have a huge deficit to come back from. Three to one right now, Denver leading. But guys, who are you picking for this NBA Finals this year? And why are you rooting for them? We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line. We'll return to the show in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. At some point in our adult lives, we may have to turn our attention to the needs and safety of our parents and grandparents as they age. They've done so much for us, and it's our turn to make sure they have the best quality of life. I founded HomeSpark because seniors deserve to have the very best care available so they can age with dignity and remain independent longer. Our caregivers provide wellness checks, companionship, transportation, meal preparation, and more of what you think is important. To learn more about our personalized care plan, visit us at homesparkcare.com. HomeSpark, we care for people. Well, dudes, in the bakery today, we have a great guest with us. His name is Zach Hester, and he's the owner of Caldwell Country, Cameron Country, and Rockdale Country dealerships in Texas. We're going to talk to him about all things cars and what's going on in the automotive industry. He's our local expert for anything to do with used, new, and government fleets, too, as well. But uh, welcome to the studio, Zach Hester. Good morning, guys. Happy to be here. It, it's uh, looking forward to this one. Zach, if you don't mind, would you mind sharing your backstory about how you got led into the car industry, becoming your own owner of your own uh, car dealership? Great question. And, and it starts a long time ago, uh, back when Anthony and I were in school together. We, we kind of grew up together in, in, in a sense, but he was a couple of years older than me. But my junior year, um, in between my junior and senior summer, my dad kind of gave me the option of either uh, going to summer school or or working full time, and I chose to work full time. And uh, at that time, I had fallen in love with motorcycles, and he was not interested in in, in even like looking at buying me one. Or and, and mom was like, "You're no no chance." And so I, I went and got a job at, a, at the at the local motorcycle place, which at the time was Fred Brown Family Fun Center. We had Triumph, Indian, KTM, Polaris, and Tahoe boats. You know, quite a quite a variety of different things, but it, it got me close to motorcycles. And you know, it was one of those things where I, I started during the school year after the second semester of my junior year, and they asked me to sell on Saturdays, and and I honestly I just fell in love with it. I, I realized I was pretty good at it, and and I had no intention of doing that after after high school. But uh, you know, kind of started working full time that summer. Went back to school um, after after football season was over. Went you know went back part time during the school year, my senior year, and then. Uh, Sat down with my parents, who were both educators, and Anthony was, or my mom was Anthony, and I was principal in high yeah. school. If you can believe that, yeah. uh, so she, she she's got all the dirt on both of us. Both of them, my dad was a professor at AM for thirty two years. My mom is actually in her uh, about to start her forty seventh year with CSISD, and uh, they wow. sat me down and we decided that that I should give the sales thing a, a full effort, and maybe college wasn't for me. Well, a shocking, to be honest, you know, it was one of those things I didn't expect my educator parents to, to be in agreement and, and actually pushing me to uh, to not go to school at the time, which I think was, you know, I, obviously the right decision for multiple reasons. Back then, I don't think I would have been any good at it. I, I, I couldn't stand school. I wanted to get out of school. I, and I, I just loved sales. I loved what I was doing. I uh, worked for a great company, Fred Brown, who uh, was a local you know, state rep for a long time. And, and he also obviously owned a lot of car dealerships, especially at that time. You had the, the Mazda, BMW. Hyundai and Volkswagen store there on, on Briarcrest. And, but to, to make a long story short, I, I went from started cleaning motorcycles up to uh, selling motorcycles and then, and then eventually uh, moved to the, the BMW store to do finance. 
uh, was my first, I guess, official car business job. And then Fred and, and John Hildebrand bought a store in Caldwell and uh, went out there. They asked me to go uh, be one of the sales managers out there, so kind of you know, working my way up the ladder. And and then eventually John bought Fred out and had another partner kind of come in. But you know, I'm slowly moving my way up up the chain there. Became the general manager. I want to say in 2012, uh, roughly, some of that time frame. And a, a year before that, our company had purchased. Rockdale Country Ford at the time. I went over there and ran that for a year when we first bought that, then came back to the Caldwell store. And we started Cat Fleet at the same time, which was a an upfitting company for uh, for law enforcement specific vehicles, uh, first responder in general. 2019, I finally convinced John to kind of let me buy in and, and we were working on that deal. And then the pandemic kind of hit. Crazy times, which which led to some different opportunities for Myself and, and another one of the guy named Craig Oliver, who we, we grew up with as well, and, and our other good friend, uh, Ryan Slater, who, who helped me purchase a good portion of the equity of the company. Um, as, as we did it as a group and then got rid of our John's other partner, and, um, and, and he became a minority partner at the time. So we did that um, right in the middle of the pandemic, so the kind of scariest time of my, uh, my life. But you know, the opportunity was there, and I, I, I sunk my entire life savings into it as well as my partners who were you know good friends but also we had we had done some other investments together along the way had uh, had put a significant amount in there to kind of get us rolling and then uh fast forward a year later we, we bought the cameron store and uh the chrysler jeep dodge and ram in cameron it was the natural third fit you know the, the third domestic product that we had as well as kind of completed the, the triangle that is you know east of, of bryan college station which is rockdale Cameron and, and obviously Caldwell, where, where it all started, but uh, didn't ever intend on being in the car business by any means. It was just, uh, I, I would call it dumb luck and love of motorcycles that, that led my career being here, but uh, wouldn't wouldn't change a thing. It's uh, I, I still love waking up every single day and going to work. It's the most exciting thing I've ever done, and I, I couldn't be more blessed and quite frankly lucky to do what I do. There's a lot about that story that I can absolutely appreciate. One thing that really sticks out to me is just the ability to jump in throw your own money at something, life savings, and just basically jump off of that cliff and make things happen. And so we definitely tip our hat to you. You mentioned the pandemic and, and kind of going at this during the pandemic. I'm curious, being in the car business prior to and kind of the state of the car business today, obviously we've got skyrocketing interest rates. What is that doing to affect your sales? Have you noticed any difference? You talk a little bit to you know, that. There's a lot of effects, and it's kind of been starting with the pandemic. Obviously, you had the major supply chain issues that pretty much halted production. But also keep in mind with Ford and and Chevrolet in particular, you had in late 2019 you had major uh, labor stoppages as well. They had strikes that that stopped production, and then you had, of course, the shutdown, and then you reopened back up and immediately had supply chain issues. So it wasn't just the pandemic that led to the, the massive you know setback in the car industry. You know, the interesting thing was there is that, it, that what that did was obviously cause prices to skyrocket. New being almost impossible to get, the used market just got out of control. I think we're going to see the effects of what took place over the last 18 to 24 months for the next, you know, five to 10 years, quite frankly. I think the automotive industry as a whole created more negative equity than it had in the previous 30 years. And if you think about, you know, what I mean by that is when you, you, when you can buy 250 as an example, you, could, you were paying to get anything reasonably within two years of a new one. You're paying almost ten to fifteen thousand dollars over what it costs to buy a new one. What lenders use to lend off of is the book value and auction values, kind of in a grouping and kind of a rolling average. So again, the, what the lenders did was they raised, they lowered their requirement to purchase and raised what they would finance. So now, now you've got you know for two years you're paying ten to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars over what it would normally cost new 
much less the typical depreciation that you had in a normal transaction when new prices were even higher. And now new prices have leveled back off, you know, not, not necessarily pre-pandemic levels, but to where, you know, MSRP is, is easy to find a deal on. You're getting deals on rebates are starting to enter back into the platform. So naturally, what that what is that going to do to the used cars that were purchased at the height of the pandemic? It's going to, you know, you, you almost double and sometimes tripling the negative equity that was, you know, that, that some of these customers have. Plus, you know, you went from 60 months was the, the I think the national average of an automotive loan in 2018. And now it's it's over 72 months. I think it's like in 73, 74 months because a lot of these lenders will go up to 84 months now. Um, which again, guys, I mean, with, with interest rates uh, increasing as they are, you know, you, getting something below 3% was, was almost automatic if you were, you know, above a 650 or higher, you know, leading up to what was it about a year ago when rates started slowly rising. And, and quite frankly, now you're, you're five to seven points higher than what it was a year ago to two years ago. Now you've got to add in the fact that massive price increases due to uh, manufacturing increases in prices as well as supply chain issues. So, so what, what used to cost, I mean, think about an Escalade, guys. 15 years ago, that you could buy a brand new Escalade for $52,000. You can't get one ordered now for less than $110, and that's a base model. They're up to, you know, some of them are up to $130. Okay, now now take in interest rates and add that on top of it. You've got you've got people that are paying more than their house payment on car payments because of what cars are costing these days, and it's it's frustrating as obviously for, at the dealer level because you've got good long time customers that are used to having a Tahoe every two years, and you know they've been trading with you for for a decade or more at a reasonable rate of return, and not you're not having to, to increase their payment so much. And now you went from having a, a you know a sixty thousand dollar fully loaded Tahoe to over eighty five thousand dollars. And, and again, now add in the, the, the rate hike there, it's, it's, it's hard to tell that to your customer that, hey, it's a because it's not just a cost increase in the car itself. It's just the cost of ownership is what's really changed. I don't see it dramatically changing the other way anytime soon. That answers some of your questions there. You know, I've been a longtime customer of yours, right? He has been. Thank you. you for that, so, <laughs> hey, if you're looking for cars, man, go to, go to Zach. Yeah, man, like what you were saying, you know, I guess the shortage not really being a an issue from the pandemic, but did that have anything to do with the computer chips? Was that related to the pandemic? It, it absolutely was. So that that was the biggest issue. So the good news is that's really changed over the last eight to 10 months. Um, it's getting better by the day, but now what's crept in is other types of supply chain issues. Now we're having issues getting like typical warranty parts. Take, take for example, like a carbon fiber piece of, of a Corvette or something like that, that you would normally be able to get automatically is now taking eight to 14 weeks, sometimes longer. Uh, seat motors are something that we've had uh, a struggle with. And even whether it's a warranty, something that's under warranty or not under warranty, you kind of get the point there. So it's, we, we solved the computer chip problem, the, the semiconductor, as they called it. And what you, what you had there was very interesting. You had the major suppliers telling the major OEMs, Ford, Dodge, and Chevy, and Toyota, quite frankly, that, hey, we can't stop these plants. So you, we need you to maintain your minimum orders if you want us to be able to produce any type of the, the normal output that we're used to, to, to doing. Well, the, the OEMs being who they are, they said, well, we just can't do that. So they canceled orders, shut down the, these big microchip factories, which once, once you get back and rolling, it takes them six months to get back online to the, the type of output that they're used to doing. So think about the lag of, of that actually entering into the market space itself. And then, and then actually manufacturing because they're trying to rear up production because they're trying to meet up the demand because everybody thought demand was just going to dissipate, right? Like it was, we, we all did. I mean, it was the, the day of the shutdown, none of us knew what was next, right? And then two months later, 
it seems like demand is is it have done anything but increase. And so the the manufacturers are so far behind that the orders were getting bigger and bigger. And then you had Elon Musk and Tesla enter the market in a in a, in a big way. And and quite frankly, a lot of thanks goes out to him solving the microchip problem because you know Ford, Dodge, and, and uh, Chevy and Toyota, quite frankly, had had really messed up the order cycle and what his orders. You know, because those, obviously those Teslas are all, all electric. They they require a lot more semiconductors than a typical Ford, Dodge, or Chevy does. And, and even though the EV space is getting bigger and bigger. So he committed to most of the, the semiconductor manufacturers that they needed about 12 times their normal output. And starting in 2028 is when his contract started. But for them to get to those levels, they had to immediately start obviously expanding their current portfolio of manufacturing as well as uh, a lot of other people entered the space in a big way, which sped up, I guess you could say, that industry getting out of the mess that they were in. It was a pretty remarkable turnaround if you think about how far it was behind in, in terms of where we are now. Because it, it, it was for something of that nature, for the, those factories to increase production or just get built from the ground up is a lot more complicated than you might think. It seems like a lot to have to take into account when you're trying to manage your supply chain, your throughput of, of, of your inventory and all that. And that's, it sounds like a headache in a little bit. But thank goodness for Elon Musk, right? It's uh, it's it's it. it you didn't think you'd be thanking him as, as a as a Ford, Chevy, and Dodge dealer, but it it it, uh, it definitely is. He's, I mean, he changes the world in in a lot of different ways, but but definitely uh definitely fixed the problem that he didn't intend intentionally fix, which is even funnier. It's funny because I think that we've probably mentioned Elon Musk on probably at least seventy percent of our episodes yeah. so far. So he's he just <laughs> has his hands in everything, man. I, Remarkable individual for sure. I mean, just uh, what what he's done and, and the purchase of Twitter and putting that whole deal together. I mean, that guy's incredible. Truly incredible. Agreed. You know, I, so I have to wonder, you know, there probably has to be some, I don't know if you call it politics or just good relationship building that you have to establish with your automotive manufacturers, your suppliers. How does that go into your inventory and making sure that you have the right vehicles to deliver your customer in the right time? Great question, actually. And, and I, I will tell you that politics is probably a very good way of putting that. You use that term. And I, I, I really agree with that. Um, all, all three of mine are very different from each other while also being very similar in a, in a lot of different ways, but it, it's, you, you have to be political. There's so many different little weird things that we've got to do as dealers to work their system to get exactly what you're saying, like specific types of vehicles. If I want to sell a Corvette, if I want to sell the new Z06, there's a lot of requirements that I've got to do. And it doesn't just come from facilities or, or I have to take people to different uh, training sessions when it, when it comes to technicians to uh, salespeople, the sales managers, all the general manager, we've got to send them all over the country to get these types of certifications to be able to actually be able to sell it. And and the good news is it's 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 not too expensive, and they do subsidize some of it. But then you have your high earners, especially in the, on the service side, or technicians that are highly qualified, out of the store for a week at a time. It it puts you back in service. And the certification requirements aren't something that you would you would call intensive. I mean, it's it's kind of a really basic understanding of what the vehicle is. It's not. They all work the same in a sense. Like a Silverado is not too far, far from, you know, in terms of working on it in the back as a, as a Corvette is. And, you know, the, the, the mechanics job over the last 10 years has changed so much anyway. Most of it's computer diagnostics and then, and then an installation of a part. There's not a whole lot of true tinkering that goes on, if that makes any sense. You're not, most of these motors don't even allow that. It's, it's not as, as, I guess you could say complicated as it used to be, but it's, it, in a sense, it's more complicated, but. The allocation system is what the OEMs call our ordering cycles, and it's very difficult to do exactly what they want to do in terms of earning vehicles. And especially as a small town dealer, where us being Caldwell, Rockdale, and Cameron, 
comparing it to a, a you know a big metro dealer in Houston, Dallas, Austin. They're, you know, they're foot, think about the foot traffic difference of, of some, you know, customers walking in that store versus walking into my store. And then again, just think about the difference between a store in College Station versus Caldwell. You know, uh, most of our business is done through word of mouth advertising, online, uh, taking phone calls. I would say that probably less than 20% of our, our retail business comes from a customer that just drove by, stopped in and bought a car. Most of it's, you know, internet leads, phone calls repeat referrals, stuff like that. And, and where, where that kind of leads into the manufacturer side is the more you sell, and, and we'll use a high country Tahoe as an example, because that's the, the highest end Tahoe. It's as close to a, a Cadillac as you can get in a Chevrolet, if that makes sense. So due to the, the, the supply chain issues, they're making a lot less of those than they used to. So historically, take, take five years ago, I could order as many of those as I want to. I could get them within 60 days. It was, it was very it was easy to get. There wasn't an allocation system. It was just kind of like, I, if I thought I could sell 10, I'd order 10. If I thought I could sell 100, I'd order 100. And that's what I'd get from Chevrolet. Now I have to have a, a, an actual customer order to get one of those vehicles. Now, that's not every vehicle. I can, I can order a, a basic Silverado, but to get a high-end Silverado, I've got to have a customer's name behind it that they, that they will verify. And so that's changed the way you do business because we do a lot of speculative ordering. I, I, obviously, I've got to, being born and raised in Bryant College Station, the, the you know people like Anthony that have been good friends for a long time that I've been business with for, for decades, quite frankly, know that they can just shoot me a text and order a vehicle. I'd never make Anthony leave me a deposit for a, an order of a vehicle. I'd just, I'd just get on the computer with them, order it, and throw it in. Well, now they require us to do all these extra steps. i got to get his driver's license. You know, like, I've got to have him sign a purchase order. Whereas literally two years ago, if he'd have called me, I'd have just thrown the computer system, put his his first name, his last initial, and his cell phone number, and they they never would verify anything. And now I just can't get away with that. And 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 again, it would have been here in sixty days. Now you're looking at 120 days or more to get that type of vehicle. In. Hey, hey, facts on that, man. I could speak on that. I used to just text Zach and be like, "Hey, bro, I'm looking for this is what I'm looking for. I need this interior, and I'm looking for these certain specs." He'd find it. He'd be like, "I can get it uh, in like two days." All right, let's let's set it up. I'm gonna come over there. So legendary, yeah, man. Since you're bringing that up. With technology and, and just how things change in the vehicles, how do you stay up with the trends on that? And then I know you had said something about um, your training is more like for your techs, like they're actually, you know, working on computer stuff as, as opposed to like mechanical and, you know, twi- twisted wrenches and stuff. That's right. It's, cl- it's more classroom work nowadays for, for the guys um, in, in the fixed ops side of the business, and, and which is good. I mean, it, it, it's easier to get them trained up quicker. It's, it, there's some downside to it as well. What the OEMs want to do is they just want to replace instead of trying to fix. They, they, so they'll, you're, you're using a lot more parts, especially under warranty vehicles, which I think is good for the customer. You just got to be careful with, with you know, not having a warranty, especially within the, the you know, your, your 336, your 5 year 60, depending upon what type of vehicle it is. But, you know, the, the, keeping up with trends, that's, that's probably, you know, I think that kind of somewhat relates back to Elon Musk, but just in general, you, you know, any commercial you see for any, any OEM right now is, is all dedicated towards, the EVs, right? Like it's, it's, we're having to do major, I wouldn't call it a full remodel, but systems additions for our stores, all three stores, when it comes to making sure we have the right charging stations, the right tools to work on them. The, the industry is changing. It's one of those things where you have to stay in the forefront of it. It's like, I, I compare the EV, you know, introduction here much to the internet coming into the car business, if that makes sense. It was, it was such a wholesale change for the way that we sold cars, the way that we did business on a daily basis, that if you didn't get on that trend, you were literally going to get left behind. You cannot be in the stone ages 
Because I'll tell you what, if I'm not going to get on this, this trend of EVs, my competitors will, and I will get left behind. And, and I don't have to sign up for this EV stuff. I can opt out of it, but what good does that do us? It's whether, whether we agree or disagree with how, how you know, prevalent these cars are going to become over the next 10 years, it doesn't matter because that's where my OEMs are pushing their production to. So I've got to stay up with it because that's how, believe it or not, you don't make a whole lot of money on new cars. It, it's the, the margins are thinner than they've ever been. We, we have to make money in 10 different ways that comes from the OEM by hitting all these different targets and, and all their, their different guidelines of what they want to see you do as a dealer. Some of it has to do with my signage that I have outside, my interior tile floors and tile ceiling. There's stuff like that that all accounts for how we get paid as a dealership versus what you're paying for the car. It's not, it's not always that simple. Wow. It sounds like a lot going in. I- into just managing the sale of cars, but there's so much behind the scenes that have to go right just to, A, keep a business going and, and making sure that you have good customer service for the end user. Well, that's the that's the biggest thing is, is customer services. It, it, we can make things as complicated as we want to, but if you really simplify it, that's the most important thing still in this business. And, and it's it, there's no question about it. I, I, most of my, my business being in Caldwell obviously comes from the Bryan College Station area, and a lot of it comes from the way that my competitors treat their customers. Cause I get a lot of second chances at customers I normally wouldn't get because they don't get treated as well as we treat them. We, like every customer that we have is the most important person in front of us. We have to do things different in Caldwell. You know, I've got to give you a reason to, to service a vehicle. I'll, we'll give Anthony a, a loaner anytime he needs one. Most of the time, as long as we don't have a hundred people out, we'll pick your car up, give you a loaner, get it fixed, bring it back. And you can come in and, and do your old change or we can, we can kind of do it for you. It depends, but it's, we have to, we're a destination store, if that makes sense. Like we've got to do this, this different stuff, but, but you only get one shot. Like, like Anthony telling someone that he enjoyed buying a car from me is worth literally 10 times more than a commercial you see on TV or, or hear on the radio or, or see pop up in your, your freaking Facebook post. Like it's, it, it, it there's, and, and we're like, like we kind of started the conversations still Bryan college station and surrounding areas. Uh, it's such a small world, no matter how, how, how much the population increases, it's still Everyone knows everyone. It's like, think about every, no matter what restaurant you guys go to in town, to this day, you're going to see at least three people you know. It, it just comes from, from you guys going up there, us going up there. And, 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 and think about, you know, College Station didn't have 100,000 people when Anthony and I graduated in high school. A&M's got 100,000 people that enrolled the school now. I mean, it's like, like it's, the town is, is probably tripled or quadrupled in size in 20 years. And, and it still maintains that, that kind of small town feel. And, and that's where customer services is, is it's the most important thing. And like, if you, you know, I'm going to screw up. It's, it's inevitable. We, you know, we, we always do things, but it, what comes with employing people and managing, you know, the, a big workforce is that you, you, you can only do, you're only as good as your worst, you know, your, your weakest link as they, as they say, but it's, it's very true. Cause if I've got somebody in the sur- in my search department dropping the ball on what Anthony's expectations are, he leaves a bad, bad taste in his mouth. And then the next time he talks to somebody, he's probably not going to tell him the same story he's been telling before. And, and that's where, you know, obviously, in the in the, uh, in the opposite direction, but you kind of get where I'm going with that. Well, Zach, we want to say thank you so much for joining us in the bakery today and talking to us a little bit more about the car industry and what's going on there. Can you tell our listeners just if they were intrigued and just kind of want get to get to your customer service, get to your dealerships, how can they find you and get a hold of you? Best place to go is caldwellcountrychevrolet.com. That, that'll pull up our, you know, the Chevrolet store, but the, it, it'll also give you links to every other website that we have as well. It's kind of our, our landing page in a sense, if you will. And it, it gives my contact information as well as, you know, each individual general managers and that, uh, and yeah, we can get you in touch with anything you want to do. And it, it's, it's, 
we're always just a text message away is what I say. It's easier to uh, to, to text us. You're not going to have to call the store for anything. You may have, maybe just that first time, shoot us an email. But from that point on, there's going to be somebody that you're going to be connected with in the store that you can just shoot a text to, whether it's Wesley and service or or Austin and, and sales. I mean, and Milton and sales as well. It just kind of depends on on what you know what you're trying to do. That we'll we'll make it easy on it and, and make it quick and, and make it that you know the car business as a whole. It's we've all been through the finance office. It's the most painful thing you can do, right? Like nobody wants to go sit at a dealership for an hour and then wait for an hour to get in the office and then gets you know told 18 different times that you got to buy this, you got to buy this. And then we we try to take that out of the problem and make it easier to you. I think Anthony will probably say we deliver paperwork to him before we're oh, it, yeah. it's all it's all done over the phone. Like you know we don't. We, we we just do things differently. We, we, it's it's a business model that's worked for us. I, I appreciate you know allowing me to or invite me to come on here. It was a, a great time. I'd I'd love to do it again sometime. Anytime y'all want to follow up with this or, or move on, but you guys are doing an awesome job. Yeah, thanks, man, and and we'll definitely have you back on the show. Thanks here for soon. coming on, bro. I appreciate you. Hey, y'all have a good weekend, guys. Talk right, to you later, man. You Same too. to you. Well, folks, that does it for this week's episode of Donuts with Dudes. I want to give a huge shout out for our special guest, Zach Hester, owner of Zach Hester's Caldwell Country Chevrolet. I get all my cars from him. Their service department is on point. Customer service is great. Sales team is great, man. The owner is great. Everything is good. Are in the market for a new car? I definitely suggest you hit up CaldwellCountryChevrolet.com. And when you do reach your sales rep. Tell them Donuts with Dudes sent you. Yeah. Thanks, Zach, for joining us in the baker today. And as always, dudes, you can reach us on social media at Donuts with Dudes, or you can send us an email, info at donutswithdudes.com. We hope you'll join us next week where Anthony and I are whipping up some more fresh, hot topics.